Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We provide pet trust education and pet trust services to make sure ever loved. And today, I want to welcome our special guest. She's a returning guest. Her name is Carol Borden, and she is the founder and chief executive officer of Guardian Angels Medical Service Dogs. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Hi, Peggy. Thank you for having me again. Oh, well, I love having you, and I love hearing about what's going on over at Guardian Angels. And uh, so much has happened, I'm sure, since the last time we spoke. Um, so I'm going to pretend that I never met you before. And tell us from the very beginning, how did Guardian Angels get started in 2009? Well, way back when, seems like a million years ago now, um, I was training dogs. Uh, and I had a young man come to me who was severely disabled, quadriplegic. And he knew I had worked a lot with German Shepherds, and that's what he had. And so he asked if I could help him because he wanted to continue to live independently. But the poor guy, every time he dropped something, it stayed there until a caregiver came by. Uh, he couldn't open his own refrigerator. I mean, there were multiple things that were no longer uh, he was no longer able to do. So I said, sure, I'll work with your dog. We'll see what we can do. And long story short, that was the first full mobility dog I had ever trained. And it was really a pivotal moment in my life because when I saw all the things this dog could do to become this young man's arms and legs and complete his life once again, it was amazing. And I said, golly, there must be something to this service dog stuff. I had never really researched it before. And so at that point, I did. And I realized then, after doing my homework, that there were not very many nonprofit organizations that were training dogs for people with disabilities. It was really amazing to me how few dogs were available each year versus, you know, tens of thousands of people with disabilities that could have be, been assisted by one. So I went on to start Guardian Angels Medical Service Dogs. Um, we are now in our 11th year. And we have hundreds and hundreds of teams working all across the country. I originally started just in Florida, never imagining uh, that we would become a national organization uh, that had done so much to help so many people while bringing amazing dogs to their full potential. That's an incredible story. And uh, one of the things I love about your organization is that uh, you use German Shepherds. Yes, we do. What most people don't realize, they think of German Shepherds, unfortunately, just what they see in the media, 
uh, as apprehension dogs, attack dogs, somebody, you know, dog pulling somebody out of the bushes, whatever. But in actuality, German Shepherds were the first service dogs ever used after World War One. There were thousands of soldiers that had been blinded by mustard gas, and they figured out that the dogs could become uh, a guide dog for them. And then the first uh, dog that started working in our country was actually a German Shepherd that was imported for a blind man in 1929. So Shepherds were really the original dog, not the Labradors, not the Golden. Uh, certainly there's lots of great breeds today and mixed breeds even that can be uh, good service dogs if they have all the right stuff, as they say. Um, but we love our German Shepherds, and they love having a job. That's a good story. So is there a particular trait that German Shepherds have that you think that makes them uniquely qualified to be service dogs? Well, one of the things that I teach uh, in my courses is that dogs originally were bred for different purposes, uh, some of those to be working dogs of different types. And the German Shepherd was one of those that was originally a herding dog. And so it had a job. Uh, it was intelligent. But uh, through the generations, as man utilized them more and more, they found out that they were extremely versatile. And so they're versatile, they're intelligent, they have a great work ethic, and they're, they want to please. So that is how they became uh, military working dogs, police working dogs, um, you know, medical service dogs, all the different jobs that they have today is because they are extremely versatile and willing and intelligent. So I see a picture on your website, and I, I want people to go there and look at it at medicalservicedogs.org under the Our Story tab. Um, there is a class of five German Shepherd pups that are all sitting at rapt attention, uh, paying attention to their instructor. And um, I know that you work a little differently than the typical service dog organization, so you don't put your puppies into puppy-raising homes. No, we don't. Um, for starters, we don't even put a collar and leash on our puppies until they're closer to 14 weeks old. And by that time, they already know all of their basic obedience commands. And, you know, I kind of evaluated what a lot of folks do. Um, and what I learned is while there's already a very high rate of failure in service dogs because it's kind of like being the rocket scientist of the human world, uh, not all dogs can become a service dog. But on top of that, then you put them into foster homes as young puppies when they're little sponges. And sometimes things don't always go according to plan, or sometimes the foundation is not always set up the way we would like to see it set up. And so those dogs sometimes even have um, a higher percentage of fallout uh, as, as to becoming a, uh, a service dog. We have a very controlled environment. We have our um, puppies in life stages based on their ability, their mental capacity for their age. And we very slowly add the desensitization, socialization, all the things that they need to be a very confident young dog uh, along with their regular training. So our dogs don't actually go into foster homes until they're close to a year old. They're very well behaved. They've already been well socialized and had some public access. So now we ask our fosters to take them for eight weeks. We still ask them to attend class once a week to make sure we're monitoring the progression or digression of the dog so we can be right on top of it. 
And we want them to polish house manners and take them everywhere they go. More public access hours because they're going to be with their disabled recipient 24-7. That means they'll go to their jobs with them. They'll go to school with them. They'll go to the grocery store or the movie theater or wherever it is that their recipient goes. It's kind of like having a wheelchair. The dog is going to be there to take care of their medical needs 24-7. And so we need our dog to be prepared and still focused on their person's needs regardless of what's going on in the environment around them. So our fosters are very helpful to us in that process, and um, it makes it much easier to be a foster. You're not strapped with a puppy who's peeing on the floor and chewing up things, and you have to be home with it all the time. Uh, no, it, it's quite a different situation. Well, having been a former puppy raiser myself um, and having a dog for an extraordinarily long period of time, from the time she was eight weeks old until she was 18 months old, um, it was a heartbreaking experience to have to be separated from her at that point. So I kind of oh, like right. the way that you do it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it's hard on the dog and the person after 12, 18 months together. And so, again, you know, it's only eight weeks. And as soon as you uh, bring that dog back, we hand you another leash if, you, if you're ready or if you want to take a vacation first or do something else. But either way, you know, you can take another dog right away for another eight weeks. And most of our uh, foster families have scrapbooks of all the dogs. You know, we have fosters that have fostered um, dozens of dogs for us. And so they enjoy it tremendously. Oh, I can only imagine. And uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for German Shepherds as well. So uh, uh, that would be very appealing. Um, and because of your kind of unique training approach for these dogs, um, I suspect that you have a much higher success rate. We do actually um, pretty close to 90% success rate when the overall country is about 60%. Well, and I know too from that puppy raising experience that, um, and not that people would ever necessarily do this intentionally, but I think that puppy raisers can sometimes sabotage the training um, because they do fall in love with um, the, the dog. Sure, and sometimes they just don't know what they don't know because they're not professional trainers at the level that we are, and we cannot expect them to be. Absolutely. So that makes perfect sense. All right. So I know you've helped a lot of people over the years. Can you tell us a little bit, um, uh, share with us some of those numbers? Um, well, we have well over 350 teams working in 29 states. Uh, we're about to add 50 more this year to those numbers. And um, we're, we're thrilled with what these dogs are out there doing for folks. We get stories back all the time, um, life-saving, heroic, uh, different things that they have done for their person. I can't tell you how many people uh, call us, write us, email us, and tell us they would not be walking this earth today if it wasn't for this dog. Those are great stories to hear, I'm sure. And we still, uh, we just entered our 11th year, and knock on wood, we still have zero suicides and less than a 2% divorce rate which is incredible. We're incredibly proud of that. Well, you should be because that certainly is not the national average and um, something to be proud of. Tell um, our listeners, if you will, Carol, 
You don't just serve the veteran community, is that correct? Correct. It's predominantly veterans, but we also um, serve first responders and some civilians as well. And if a person was interested in getting a service dog, um, what would that process look like? There is an application process. Uh, you must have a permanent confirmed disability. And then you must be cognitively, physically, and financially capable of caring for your dog. You don't buy the dog. We donate these dogs, and we give you um, follow-up for the life of your team. And We don't charge you for any of those things. And um, so it, it's just a matter of being able to keep up with understanding the training. You are 50% of the team, and any dog can be untrained no matter how well-trained he is when you receive him if you don't follow our instructions. So we help you with that, and we have traveling trainers around the country in different regions that go out and do outreach to our teams. Uh, we make sure we're eyes on at least once a year. And, um, you know, one of, one of our great success stories, of course, uh, was um, Alice, uh, our dog who we actually paired with a, a little boy. And um, she uh, has done an outstanding job, uh, which she was recognized for nationally. And uh, he had a severe seizure condition after suffering a gunshot wound to the brain. And she has alerted um, in three years over 100 times to his seizures because he has no forewarning. And if he should fall, half of his skull is artificial and a blow to his head would kill him. Well, and she was uh, recognized nationally, and there are some fabulous photos on your website about Alice and, and the things that she's managed to accomplish. How old of a dog is she? Um, she is five or six now. I don't remember exactly. I'm sorry. I've got lots that's of dogs right. out there. No, that's all right. Um, but, yeah, we were super excited. Um, she won over hundreds of dogs, seven cat different categories of working dogs. Uh, in fact, not only was she named the number one service dog in the United States, um, she was the first service dog, to our knowledge, that ever went on to become the top American dog hero over all of those categories of dogs. And it was so much fun. It was so exciting. They flew her and her young man and his mom, and of course I went too, uh, out to Hollywood for all the filming. And we were on the Hallmark Channel um, you know, a two-hour special. It was it was really really something that uh, will probably be you know something we will never ever forget in all the years to come that we will have guardian angels. It was just a spectacular way to recognize the great work these dogs do. I can't imagine how thrilling that must have been, not only for you, but for that family and, and the good work that Alice has done um, for her little boy. So that's fabulous. Thank you, Carol. Um, tell us, too, about your pets program. Well, the pets program is designed for people that already have a dog at home that they think might make a service dog. Maybe it's already showing some initial alerts to some medical problems. Um, so they can bring those dogs in for evaluation. It's a six-month course that they go through weekly with their dog. And uh, we determine during that period of time if the dog has all the right characteristics to be a service dog. If so, we continue with further training. 
until we actually do the task training uh, that the dog needs to learn to actually mitigate the challenges of that individual's disability. So do they come to Florida for that training? Um, yes, usually they um, are somewhat within driving distance because it is a six-month class. And, um, you know, it, it has to be a dog that's old enough um, to be ready to work once it completes the courses. And we're not offering that outside of Florida yet, but we will eventually. Okay. And you told me something exciting about a brand new organization that you've partnered with um, medical service dogs. Um, I, I did. You know, COVID has brought a lot of changes to a lot of people and a lot of companies. And for us, uh, I used to travel more than I was home uh, in the name of the organization, doing presentations and visiting donors and so forth, but I had to stay home. And so I was able to focus a lot on what other things did we need to do to continue to strengthen our position. And it kind of fell over into what I could do for more people as well. So I launched a new organization called uh, the Borden Institute of Higher Learning, and it actually is going to work in tandem with Guardian Angels. What this organization will do is teach all types of animal industry-related courses. We already have a college-accredited curriculum if you'd like to learn to become a dog trainer or a service dog trainer. But now we're going to, we're, we're currently writing courses and getting it set up to where we can teach uh, licensed veterinary technician courses, veterinary certifications, kennel management, and the list goes on. We're going to be adding a 24-hour emergency hospital with physical therapy for dogs. And um, obviously, our guardian angel dogs need uh, medical attention as well. We spay and neuter all of our dogs. They all get vaccinated. We have an occasional problem um, that they need to see a veterinarian for, which costs us a lot of money as a nonprofit because we do quite a few dogs. So by having our own hospital, not only will we have the health care that we need right there on premise for our dogs, but there's so many people that are now out of work. Businesses have closed down due to COVID and other things. Now we're going to be offering a pathway for them to have fresh careers. Um, maybe a lot of people have loved dogs but never knew that um, there would be a career ahead of them in the dog industry. So now we're going to offer all of those things. So it's a way to not only support what Guardian Angels does, but a platform for teaching a lot of other animal industry-related skills for people to find a, a way to make a living again. And where can we find more information about Borden Institute of Higher Learning? Well, it is so brand new. We just got our letter of determination back from the IRS. So uh, we are currently building our website. So right now, if you go to um, the Guardian Angels website, you can certainly call someone there and ask for more information. Um, it's going to be a little more time before we have all the details and the curriculums written. Uh, we do have the classes already for the um, obedience training, the comprehensive obedience training, and the service dog training. But the, all the other new classes that are coming up, they're a work in progress at the moment. Uh, but we will be making some big announcements and, and marketing moves for those uh, in the next few months. Excellent. Tell us how we can get involved. 
oh, there's all kinds of ways folks can help. You know, networking is so important. You know, all of our face-to-face fundraisers totally disappeared last year, and that used to be a big avenue of revenue for us, and so that went away. So it's been critically important to stay in front of our donors, make sure people are aware, and, and honestly, not just for our donors, but there's an awful lot of people out there today that are suffering with disabilities, and so if you know of folks that need help, um, something that we can train a service dog to help them with, that's a way of networking as well. And again, we, we have a volunteer director and committee. You can always call Guardian Angels and ask how you can get involved or email us. And it doesn't matter where you are in the country. You don't have to be near the campus. Everybody thinks that, you know, you're going to come train a dog, but it doesn't work that way because that's extremely specialized. However, if you live in the area, we do have a really difficult job for everybody on Saturday mornings. It's called Puppy Huggers. And so we do encourage everyone to come out and be a part of that. But if you're not near the campus, there are still lots of ways you can help, um, lots of fun little fundraisers you can do yourself. We have a department that will help support you and assist you with those sorts of things. Maybe it's just creating a team among your friends and family. Uh, Right now, if you visit our Facebook page, you'll see that we're having an Easter egg hunt Um, We have teams, seven teams of dogs. They all have a different name and a different T-shirt. You can pick a team. It doesn't cost you a dime. And you can just have a lot of fun with it and see if the team, the dog that you pick to be your team, if he ends up picking up the golden egg. So uh, we have a lot of fun. There's a lot of ways you can participate. That does sound like a lot of fun. And uh, tell me about the passing of the Leash Society. That sounds very interesting. The Passing at Leash Society is for our higher level donors. Um, to sponsor a dog is a $25,000 donation. And now we're also working on a new campus, which is about a $20 million state-of-the-art campus. And so there's naming opportunities for those buildings as well. And so if someone would like to be involved at that level, then you become part of our Passing of the Leash Society. Well, I see a fabulous picture on your website and uh, lo- looks like lots of uh, good people and uh, good dogs as well. Great people. Um, you know, I started this, my husband and I, we were literally a one-man band doing all the training, fielding the phone calls, doing all the pooper scooping. Uh, today, we have about 36 people that work for us in four different states. And uh, we could not do it without our huge guardian angels family. And it even goes, it extends beyond that. Even our recipients, they try to find ways to give back. And that's why I say it doesn't matter where you are in the country, there is a way you can help. That's nice to know. Because so, people want to do so much right now and uh, sometimes they're not sure what to do. And, and this gives them a great opportunity. I love the idea of the Easter egg hunt as well. Right. And one of the things we promoted throughout uh, COVID was donate a bag of dog food. You know, if you're not driving back and forth to work anymore, if you're one of those that's working from home, you don't have that 50 bucks you have to put in your gas tank anymore. So maybe you'd like to go on Amazon, Amazon Smile, register us as your charity. And again, on our website, it'll tell you um, what dog food we use and you can send us a bag of dog food. 
Wow. Okay. That sounds like fun. Or we can join the Paw Prince Club and uh, become regular donators. That would be awesome. I don't care if it's only $5 a month. You know, we get lots and lots of people that give $5 a month. It adds up. And we appreciate every dollar we receive, especially throughout COVID when so many other businesses have gone under. Um, You know, anything anybody can do. And the Paw Prince Club is fun to be a part of. Uh, You're doing something really good. It's automatic. You don't have to try to remember every month, oh, did I send that check? And it's, it's just done for you. So, yes, absolutely, please get involved. Well, I like to say as part of uh, Animal Care Trust USA, one of our campaigns is uh, skip a cup, save a pup. So instead of spending $5 a month on that cup of coffee, maybe uh, donate it to a good cause. I, I agree. Couldn't agree more. You're absolutely right. Okay. So where would you leave us? What, what should we do next now that we know about Guardian Angels and we want to help and uh, we want to be supportive? Um, what would you leave us with today, Carol? I would say there is no time like the present. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You know, so many businesses and nonprofits have shut down, have suffered, but yet people we serve are suffering more and their pain has not gone away. We are still here. We're stronger than ever. We have survived the pandemic. We've even grown during the pandemic. So come join part of a winning team. Um, Give us a call or send us an email to um, our Guardian Angels website. All the information is there. And see what works best for you. Paw Prince Club, you want to have a building in your name. You want to come out for puppy huggers. I mean, there's so many things that we offer uh, that you can pick and choose. You know, tell us what your expertise is. And gosh, maybe, maybe there's something that you could do for us that's right up your alley. So just contact us, reach out to us, and let's talk. Awesome. I think that's great. And thank you so much for joining us here today. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask before I let you go. So you follow these teams throughout their lifetimes. And um, and because it's important to Animal Care Trust USA to know that all pets remain in loving homes, if you had a team where either the human member, if the human member passed away, you would then be responsible for taking that dog back. Is that correct? That's correct, Peggy. In fact, we've taken it a step further. Um, Not only do we have contingency plans for everything, we have lost recipients before we've lost dogs. And so um, we do make it on a case-by-case basis. If the dog's already been in that home working for some time and there's other family members also attached to the dog, then we may just retire the dog to that family. And, but if it was a single person, then uh, we do still have ownership of the dog long-term for this purpose. And so we'll bring the dog back. If it is too old to really continue working, we will find a permanent home for its golden years. If it's still young enough and viable enough, we will find someone with similar disabilities that the dog is trained for, and we will do a psychological transitioning so that the dog can go on and work for someone else. Um, Another thing that we have created during the pandemic, we also created a medical savings plan for all of our recipients because it's one thing to know you have to go to the vet and get your heartworm preventative and your vaccines, but what if you have an emergency that's four, five, ten thousand dollars 
most of these people live on limited disability incomes and they cannot afford to do that. So I have created a program that will take care of them. In fact, they never have to take uh, any money out of their pocket uh, to pay a vet bill. We're in contact with the veterinarian that they're using and we pay the bill right over the phone. Oh, that's terrific. So yes, thank you for sharing that. I, I knew that I wanted to ask that because I knew that you had an answer for how that would work. And uh, I love that dogs are so adaptable that um, they can they can love a person and a family and and then when they are rehomed to another forever family, they adjust very, very well. They do. Yeah, they're incredible. They never forget their other person. They always love them. If they ever show up again, uh, they're just as excited to see them. But they will transition and they will work and love their new person too. That's terrific. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you and all that you do and all that you continue to do. And we wish not only Guardian Angels Medical Service Dogs great success, but also your new venture, Borden Institute of Higher Learning. Um, Thanks for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats. You know my motto, until there are none, please adopt one. So thanks, Carol. Thank you so much, Peggy. We appreciate it. All right. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time. And until then, happy tales. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales!